Number three. Number three, don't faint means don't quit. Don't quit. Now look there in chapter 12 of Hebrews. You're right there in Hebrews and look in chapter 12. He's talking about running the race. Talking about looking unto Jesus. So that you keep your eyes on the prize. The Lord. To win Christ. As he says in the book of Philippians in chapter 3. He says, I'll do anything that I may win Christ. Maybe there's my prize. That's what I'm after. To, to seek and to please the Lord. And so he makes a statement here in chapter 12. Look in verse 3. Because he says, when you get tired and weary because of, it's just so hard. It's just so hard. He says, consider him. Consider Christ. And that's why he makes that statement here. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Get this. Lest ye be what? Wearied and faint in your minds. The mind. That's why it's so important. Because that's where you got to do your thinking. That's what you use to either trust the Lord and you're looking to the Lord and you want God's will for your life. And so you've got something to, to work with. But you don't take your eyes off the Lord. But you're going to have a lot of things happen to keep you from running your race. And that's why he says, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Look at that word again, faint. You see that in verse 5? And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Nor what? Faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now if, um, if I was to stand Bob over here and stand him up right here. And he fainted. What would that mean? What would it mean? He fainted. What does that mean? You were talking. You were talking. <laughs> <laughs> he said you were talking too long. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that. No, 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 to Bob. He, 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 just, he just upped and fainted. He falls down here on the ground. He's, he's laying there on the floor. That means that um, he's not with us at this moment. He's not cognizant of what's going on. And he, he can't reason. And... Uh, in other words, he's pretty much out of it. <laughs> I mean, really out. But when you faint, you pass out. And if you pass out, then you, you're not making good decisions for yourself. So he says, don't faint. Even when you're, dis as it says here, my chasten, son, he says, despise not thou the chasten of the Lord. So don't get upset when God has to rebuke you. Do you like being rebuked? Ah, oh, you love it, don't you? Don't you love it when somebody has to put you in your place, correct you? Don't you take it with a smile? Because you know it was constructive criticism and not destructive criticism. Sure. And so if you have the right kind of a mind, people can say things to you and you take it constructively. But if you're not in the right frame of mind, it don't matter how they said it. It's wrong. So now look what he says. Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now take your Bible and look there in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. You'll also see something very similar to this. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look in verse 1. 
where he says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy. Look, the very next three words. We faint not. In other words, we don't quit. We're running in a race. You say, you just don't know how hard I'm having it. Yeah, every person on planet Earth has it hard. Everybody's got problems, and everybody's going through a rough time. It's just that they don't all do it at exactly the same time. Aren't you glad? And so he says, we have received mercy. We faint not. And then he makes this statement. You see there in verse 7? Wouldn't it be so neat if God had given to us this treasure in a superman body? Why couldn't God just give me this superman body? I could fly wherever I wanted to go. I wouldn't have to worry about anybody beating me up. Stones wouldn't hurt. Gunshots wouldn't bother me. Man, serving the Lord would be so easy, wouldn't it? So what's he going to reward me for? Would I need to really depend on the Lord when I got all this power myself? I can do whatever I want. I can go anywhere I want. And I'm gone. God gave us this treasure, in verse 7, in earthen vessels. A body made out of dirt. Now, I hate to put it this way, but you are about five or six foot of dirt. That's what that body you got, that's what it's made out of. Dirt. Little water. Mud. But isn't it wonderful that we can fall in love with a stick of mud? Because that's what our body is. This is a house. We live on the inside of this house. And so we have, you know, got to take care of the house that we live in. But there's more to us than just this body that we live in. And so when we live and we're going to get old and then it's going to dry up and it's going to turn wrinkles and then you're going to die. The flower will fade away. Well, that's what's coming. We're living in these earthen bodies. Now, here's a reason. God does it the way he does. So look in verse 7. That the excellency of the power may we what? Of God, not of us. And God wants to get the honor. He wants to get the credit, the glory of whatever is accomplished in our life. All he wants us is just to yield. What did you do to get eternal life? You yielded to what God's word said. He says, trust me, you did. You got eternal life. Look what you got just for that one little deal. Now he says, I want you to trust me in other areas of your life. You see, the Christian life is not supposed to be that hard. It's just we're not used to doing it. Because we're used to going our own way, doing our own thing. That's why in the book of Deuteronomy, he talks about, unless you serve the Lord with joyfulness of heart, I will put a yoke of iron upon your neck until it destroys you. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. Where's this yoke of iron come from? Unless thou serve the Lord with joyfulness. Do you do what you do joyfully? Or, I got to do this. It's a burden. I go to church because I have to. My mother makes me go. My dad makes me go. My wife makes me go. 
the preacher makes me go or he'll come visit me. You got that right. No. So there's advantage. But now look at the next verses. Because he's saying these things for a reason. But I want you to first of all look there in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. And look there in verse 8. Where he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. Because now Paul is letting you know what he had to go through. What he had to go through and how there's pressure. There was stress. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our what? You're trying to tell me, Paul, the great apostle was serving God and he had troubles? I thought if you serve the Lord, not supposed to have any trouble. He must have sin in his life. Oh, really? I am not going there. Get what else he says. Which came to us in Asia, get this, that we were pressed out of measure. Do you think they were having some problems? They had problems. They had pressures. They had stress. And get this, above, what's the next word? Above strength. This is the same guy that tells you 12 chapters later, my grace is sufficient for thee. And in your weakness, you can have his strength. And he talks about the strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord. Well, see, you can't realize how powerful God is until you find out how weak you are. What you can't do, your limitations. You don't know it all. You can't handle everything. You can't manipulate everything. You can't put God in your little basket or, and, and make God dance to your little tune. You're going to find out God will let you fall. God will let you get hurt because God has to humble you. He wants you to trust him. And sometimes it's so hard of us to let go of our own pride. I can handle this. I can do it myself. If I can't handle it, God, you just stay nearby. Don't make God the last resort. Make him first resort. And then look what he says. In uh, verse 9, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. But the verse right before he saw about he despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death on us. And then he makes a statement. I want you to see this in verse 3 where he makes a statement. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. No, he's writing this. God used him to write this. After what he's gone through, how he thought, how he felt. But he didn't quit. That's the point. He didn't quit. And Nick, what he says there in verse 4. Who comforteth us in almost all of our tribulations. In all of our tribulations. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith he, we ourselves are comforted of God. In other words, God said, I'm going to let you suffer so I can bring you comfort. So you can tell somebody else what I did for you. So you can bring them comfort. It's good when you learn and then you can teach. You can't teach what you don't know. You can't lead where you've never been. You see, there's things you've got to learn from what God says. And the more real it is to you, the more real it'll be to somebody else. Because they'll know you really understand. You can sympathize with people. And it just takes you your whole life to do all of this. Because there's another generation of people coming. That's why people are supposed to learn from their elders. 
But sometimes the elders didn't listen and learn from their elders. Somewhere along the line, you've got to stop it all and try to, Somebody's got to take some time to learn what God says. And it'll work God's way. Now, look back there in chapter 4. Now look in verse 8. This is what Paul says. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. In other words, another way of reading this is, uh, we are troubled on every side, but we didn't quit. We are perplexed, but we didn't quit. Verse 9, persecuted, but we didn't quit. Cast down, but we didn't quit. Why? In verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's Hebrews chapter 12. Consider him and what he went through. Wouldn't it have been a shame if right before he died on the cross, he says, I quit. I quit. No. Would you have wanted him to quit? And there's people that need to hear the gospel. That's why we can't quit. Seeing we have this ministry, we faint not means we don't quit. We're running a race. What would Satan have to do to you to get you to quit? You see, there's a lot of people who can start out running a race. But after a while, they, they stop running the race. They got their eyes off of the goal and what their purpose was. They got to looking at all those people standing on the side drinking their lemonade. Says, I quit. Why am I doing this? My side hurts. My calves hurt. My ankles hurt. My feet hurt. I can't hardly breathe. I quit. Now, that's why he says, count the cost. In the book of Luke, chapter 14, count the cost. Whether you have enough to finish the race. Anybody can start the race. But can you maintain the race and finish your course with joy? Look what else he says here in verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. In other words, your mortal body that you have is being given over to the Lord so God can live through you. So my body is the temple of the Lord. And he wants to use this body to accomplish his purpose. And all I'm supposed to do is get out of the way and let him do whatever he wants. So if he is using my body and he's in charge, then I don't care what people say about me. Because, see, I've already died. I've died. I was crucified. Whatever anybody wants to do or say, it doesn't matter. The one that lives inside of me is using my body for his honor and for his glory. And I want Christ to be magnified like a magnifying glass. And what if every child of God would allow God to use them, the next thing you know, he has been magnified and people see the Lord. And that's why he talks about this and it's so important. But there's a, a reason for all of this. Look what he says down here in verse 15. For all things are for your sake. In other words, Paul says, whatever I'm doing, whatever I've gone through, all the sufferings that I've had. You read chapter 12, it'll blow your mind. He said, I went through all of that. Now he said, why, why, did I, why do I? He said, I don't even want to brag. I don't even want to mention it. He says, but you kind of compelled me. He said, I don't want to boast, but I'm going to boast. 
is I did it for you. And he says, the more I love you, the less I'm loved. The more I love you, the less I'm loved. Have you ever been there? It can happen to you. So he says, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. In other words, my service is so that God gets the glory. And to you, so that you'll give the glory to God too. So we serve people so that we can be a blessing to people, so that those people can be a blessing to God. And look what else he says in verse 16. There's this word again. For which cause, and you ought to unline these three little words. We can't stop. We're running a race. We want to finish our course. We faint not, but though our outward man perish, that outward man, what's that referring to? This old body. The older we get, the more problems these bodies are going to have. And this old body is going to perish one day. But look what he says. Yet the inward man is renewed. Wow. Day by day. Your inward man. That, see, there's two of you. There's one whenever you were born into this world and you got that old physical body. Then you trusted Christ as Savior and he gave you a new birth. My new birth is stronger than it's ever been. But my old body can't quite keep up. And that's why we say the spirit is, but the flesh is, it sure is. And the longer you live, the more you're going to realize that. Now, look what he says in verse 17. For as long as we live in this body, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, whether you live 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, or 80 years, or 100 years, it's just a moment. Compared to eternity, it's just a little period in a sea of, of white paper and one little dot. And there you are. We are so small. Get what he says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and e get this, eternal weight of glory. You cannot outgive God. You can't do something for God without God noticing it and remembering it and going to reward you for what you've done. And the life that we live here, it's temporary. It's only for a moment. And so this light affliction, however bad it might be, is only for a moment. But look what it's going to get for you. And though that's where faith comes in. You believe what God says and you want to finish the race because you know it will be worth it all. It's going to be worth it. So then he says in verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And that's why when you study Hebrews in chapter 12, looking unto Jesus. Now right now, say so you can't see him, but you can, you can see him with the, the mind's eye, with your spiritual eyes. But with the physical eyes, you can see the world. The thing you see with the physical eyes is temporary. That which you see through the word of God is eternal. So that's why he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And that 
when you see it and understand it, it pulls you through all those bad times because God's word gives you the power to keep on going. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have all these troubles like Paul talks about there because you're going to have them. But you don't have to quit. You don't want to quit. Look there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I mentioned this to you, but I want you to see it. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, talking about the Apostle Paul. He wasn't what you would call probably a, a big, tall, healthy, strong man, a giant. It says in verse 10, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Evidently, he wasn't a good speaker. Paul says, when I was with you, I was with you in trembling and much fear. We think we got to be the professional speakers in order to for God to... I don't think he was. I think there was something wrong with him physically. I think he had bad eyesight too. Now from reading the last chapter of the book of Galatians, I come to that conclusion. But now notice, he says in verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. In other words, when you compare yourself and how you're running your race based upon how somebody else is running their race, you're not wise. You need to run your race because you've got your eyes on the Lord and do whatever God wants you to do. Don't limit yourself by your own limited thinking. Don't compare that I must be doing a good job. I'm doing more than blah, blah, blah. I'm doing just as much as blah, blah, blah. I don't know who blah, blah, blah is, but I've used them all my life. And so um, these verses are important. Now look down at the bottom of your page there. Number five, consider Christ. The race also involves resisting. And so here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, you see, there's things that you have to resist. Now, you know there's somebody who's going to try to keep you from running your race. Do you have any clue who it might be? The old devil himself. Now, you may not be worthy of the old head man devil, but he's got a lot of little demons, and he probably sends them after you. He says in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that's the same thing he did when God says, if you consider my servant Job, what you been doing? Oh, just walking to a broke from the earth. He said, did you see my servant Job down there? No. Can't get him. Yeah, it's because you won't let me get at him. You remove that fence and let me get at him and he'll curse you to you. And all the things that happened to Job. And he was just a good godly man. But God let him, the devil, he, he took, took everything away from him, except his health. And he didn't curse God. He said, God giveth, God taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Later on, he says, let me get at his body. So then he got at his body. You see, sometimes, have you ever seen like some, it seems like when it's going to rain, it's a flood. Something goes wrong, it seems like, man, a, a whole bunch of things that's so wrong when it have you ever got out of bed and everything seemed to go wrong? You think, I need to go back to bed. I got up on the wrong side of the bed today. Oh, God got up this morning. He looked over the banister of heaven and he says, I'm going to get you. 
and you feel like God's after you all day and you're running from God. There's a real live devil and he don't like you. He wants to ruin your life, ruin your testimony. He wants to get you to quit. And if he can make it hard enough on you, you see, you won't say, I quit. You're too spiritual for that. It's more like, he hurt my feelings. I heard that blah, 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 and blah, blah, it said something about me. Isn't that the same thing? Where do the thoughts come from? If it didn't come from God. Does God want you to quit? No. Does the devil want you to quit? Yes. So he works on your mind. And so the next verse says, Whom resist? How do you resist the devil? Steadfast in the faith. Knowing the truth. And standing there. Don't believe lies. And look, the next verse. But the God of all grace. In other words, the God of all grace means Whatever the problem is of all of your problems and trials and the tribulation, it's not like God has some grace and some strength for this problem. Oh, man, I run out. I don't have enough for this problem. I don't care what my problems are. My trials and tribulations, God's grace is sufficient. You believe that? Whatever you've got to face is God sufficient to meet your needs. And he might need just take you home. That's okay too. And it might be that he wants you to go to the hospital because there might be some people you need to witness to. You might need some lessons in humility. Oh, spare me that one. But whatever it is God has, just let God do it and just enjoy life. And remember that one little statement I read to you a while ago. A happy person is one who can enjoy the scenery on a detour. And sometimes God is going to have you take some detours. And you're not going to like the detours because that requires our patience. And we don't like being patient. We don't like waiting. We like to have some control. And it don't always work that way. But the last part of that verse is all these things, even the devil after you, which God says, I want you to be steadfast in the faith, resisting the devil because he... That struggle is what makes you perfect, established, strengthened, settled. Otherwise, you're going to be an emotional wreck. Emotional wreck. And you're going to be a double-minded individual, unstable in all your ways. Or you can be rock solid. Now, I tell people this, and I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I don't do so much counseling in my office. You know, you got to, every day I got people coming in for counseling. That's what I'm doing now. This is counseling. The Word of God is the counseling. And if you listen on Sunday morning or Sunday night, or we're counseling you. And then if you have a problem, you don't know what to do with it, you can still come see me. I have not had anybody die yet. In 55 years, nobody's ever died. I mean, they've died, but not because of me. Not because of my counseling either. So I will help you. But I'm just saying if you'll take to heart the things that I'm telling you, it'll help your marriage. It'll help you on the job. It can help you physically, emotionally, mentally. It can help you because it's the Word of God. The best counseling you'll ever get is what does God say? 